0: It's just after 8 o'clock in the big city. It's time for America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, SportsX Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. For peace of mind, visit PDCenterLV.com. Rob Ritchie. Farmers Insurance. 702 335 5744. 702 335 5744. Leverers Union 872. The Builders of Allegiant Stadium. And the Las Vegas Ballpark. Home of the Aviators. Promodirect.com. Use K 10 for a 10% discount on your promotion items ordered. Promodirect.com. And by William Hill Racing Sportsbook, America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit williamhill.us. So get ready, because SportsX Radio with Ken Thompson starts
1: now. All right, KT, it is a Friday football fiasco, and the uh, Raiders finishing up a perfect preseason, 4 and O. We'll get to that in a little bit. Brad Powers is in studio. The voice of the Utah Utes, Bill Riley, joins us. Our number two, Mark Hoke, running the show as usual on Friday nights. And uh, we may have some Oreo Magic music if he, uh, he's oh, he's he got his fingers crossed. I know they were up 2 nothing in the ninth, and that's where we'll leave it. I'll uh, wait for his thumbs up, or uh, we won't have that music. We'll just uh, be in silence for the little bumper music. When we come back here, our number one. But we've got a great show in store for you, as we usually do football season, Fridays, and again, preseason finishing up this weekend, NFL, and then the opening season kickoff on Thursday, Buffalo and the Rams. That'll be on September the 8th on that Thursday night opener. The Raiders will open in LA against the Chargers, SoFi and uh, that'll be on September the 11th. The Monday night game will be Russell Wilson going back to Seattle to face his old mates. That will be the Monday night game, so not a doubleheader on Mondays like they've been doing for a little bit over the uh, last several years. PSBR Law Studios is where we come from Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. You know, Wednesday, you catch me, 1750 North Buffalo, one of three Steiner's pubs in the Vegas Valley, but PSBR Law .com is the website. Panache, Boyle, Rabaputi, the best in personal injury. Southern California for years and years, and here... In Las Vegas, now in their fourth year, over $3.5 billion in verdicts and settlements the last decade for their clients. Success rate, 99%. Strength by your side, the relentless pursuit of justice. Jot it down. You know the 702 already. 830-9353. 830 Just in case you need personal injury attorney firm, there's nobody better than PSBR Law. My good pal Brian Panish and his Fresno State Bulldogs. They're uh, looking forward to their big season in the Mountain West. And, of course, UNLV will open up Mountain West action tomorrow with some of the teams. Now, they won't be playing a conference game. They'll be at home, and uh, they'll be at Allegiant Stadium. It'll be an afternoon kickoff, and they will be playing Idaho State from FCS. And if anybody knows FCS teams, it is, of course, Brad Powers. And uh, based by what I'm seeing through the glass, we're probably going to hear that Orioles anthem because the magic could be back, and Mark Hoke is just fired up. So I love it, man. I love to see this guy get fired up over his birds, man. Brad Powers, it's great to see you on a Friday. And I know the way that you prepare for college football like nobody else. You, I'll say you and Joe Lisi are the two hardest-working guys year-round on college football that I know. Now, I know there's others. Uh, some of them I don't know their work ethic, but yours I know. And first off, I just want to tell you how many fans you have – of SportsX Radio that look forward to it. Again, I got several texts, emails. Is Brad Powers on? Is BP on? Is BP going to be on Friday? I mean, I'm just getting these texts up there. I mean, people just love you, Brad, because you prepare. And they don't care win or lose. Naturally, they'd love you to win every game. But you really do an outstanding job as far as predicting market movement. And that's something that, you know, it's not just, uh, it's not just hard work. There's some talent in there. There's some intuitiveness uh, to where you're able to feel things and also uh, maybe understand what might send a line going one way or another. How long has Brad Powers been into the game within the game? This side of you know betting college football, but really you know looking into it so in depth that you're looking for advantages. How long have you been doing it seriously like that, Brad?
2: Ah, uh, wow. Not not as long as you think. Uh, I years? really haven't been a serious better until the last couple of years. Really? Okay. Yeah. But, but I, I but, mean, I knew – I mean, when I started at Phil Steele in 2009, I knew college football. I've always known college mm-hmm. football. But I had no idea on the gambling aspect. I mean, it took a couple of years. To, I mean, I didn't, I, when I started there, I didn't even know what 110 was. That's how clueless I was with gambling. So it took a few years there to learn. But even when I moved out here to Vegas, I didn't have – I wasn't that – great at all even though i was standing down there betting at the the win and whatnot but i mean i would stand there thinking i was you know somebody that really great i had a few thousand dollars in my pocket you know betting nickels of oh i got through three games that i really like uh different story now <laughs> so, there you go and, and course... it's gonna be a different story five years
1: from now i'm just that's not that's not a prediction that's a spoiler alert no that's good stuff it is uh Brad Powers, at Brad Powers 7, you can follow him on Twitter that way, but BP puts his money where his mouth is, and he always has his tickets that he'll he'll tweet out. And look, there's been you know several games over the last several years that they've moved double digits in points from the time you bet them, and they don't always work out. Yeah. But you tell me, KT, you know what, and Krakenberger and uh, and Chuck Ettle, they tell me the same thing. If you can get on the right side of the line movement, win or lose, it's going to pay off in the long run because it's really the only way that you can win consistently in this industry. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So there's been two
2: evolutions for me. Number one is obviously getting the closing line value. See, I used to always look for those top three, four games and just, you know, bet, bet whatever I had in my pocket on those three, four games, you're right. Those didn't necessarily work out. There'd be a lot of even full seasons, right? hit like 50%, even though I got the best of the number by three plus points per game on average. So I kind of evolved in, you know what? If I know where the market's going to go, then more repetitions, the better. So now I'm just, I'm super high volume. I'll I'll bet every game on the board if I know that I'm going to have an edge of where that line's going to close. And and another thing that I've struggled with, KT, you know this, because you've been in the industry a long time. I got raised in the Mark Lawrence, Phil Steele uh, way of thinking, late phone release, like you give out the, the latest information is the best information, and I'm here to tell you the market's evolved. If you're waking up on game day and trying to beat the market today, you can't. Even a guy like myself, I can't do it unless I'm just betting FCS openers. I can't bet Ohio State, Notre Dame, those types of games, uh, Oregon, Georgia on game day and expect to, to win long term. You can't do it. You got to bet earlier.
1: There you go. Because now everybody's in there with Twitter and this and that. Yep. And, and so you got to be on top of it. Uh, speaking of, of Twitter and uh, other social media. When do you know what is real out there and what to follow uh, based on some line movement and maybe somebody from an area of the country that might have a feel (laughs) of somebody being doubtful or not playing? I mean, I know you follow all that stuff. Yeah, so I... I am aware of the
2: people that have market influence. Not everybody. I mean, there's some things. Sometimes I get surprised. But I, I would say there's half dozen or so people that, that are pretty prominent as far as market movers in, in, in college football. And I know whenever they're giving out information, picks, bets, whatever, I, I like to, to know why a certain line moved. I'll tell anybody this, though. I, I'm not necessarily following a lot of the, the guys on Twitter or whatnot, the, you know, the handicappers, who wh- whatever. I am following beat writers. Fantasy guys in college football because they're so few and far between, but they seem to get to the injury news before the handicappers and stuff do. So that's what I'm looking on Twitter. I want guys that are, you know, team based, that get that news before the national guys or actual guys that all they're thinking about is players. And if I get ahead of that injury news, then, I mean, that's what I'm betting late in the week
1: is injury stuff. There you go. Great stuff, Brad Powers. Okay. Now, NFL, we did have. Some action tonight as uh, we've got preseason football, and again, the Raiders at home. It was alumni night, so all the alumni were there at Allegiant Stadium. They were honored. Raiders finish up with a 23-6 win over New England after getting the best of the Patriots in the two scrimmages here, and uh, 4-0 preseason. You know, at the end of the day, they're going to be the only team that finishes 4-0 because they're the only ones playing four games outside of Jacksonville, and of course, they won that game. Uh, Brad Powers, how much do you put into what you see preseason-wise NFL? Because we know the Raiders are one of those teams that you know really didn't play any of their starters. Now, the guys like Derek Carr and Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, uh, Devontae Adams, yeah, they're in there in the scrimmages and getting some action there to get tuned up for the opener against the Chargers. But with the high salaries and the risk of injury, just not going to do it. So Josh McDaniels kind of, staying close to the vest there. But, uh, you know, as you watch some of these games evolve, uh, do you put a lot of credence into the preseason as far as the NFL?
2: I don't. I think the market, at least Joe Q public, does too much as far as overreacting the preseason. But what I I do like taking a look at, obviously, when you got a new coaching staff, you you try to get some idea of some tendencies. I'll give you an example. Chicago, Iberflus is the new uh, head coach coach. I haven't liked what I've seen as far as play calling there. With a young quarterback trying to gain him confidence, I haven't necessarily seen it. So uh, that's one thing that I've at least paid attention to. I paid attention to this New England situation. is isn't very good. I mean, I took plus three against Miami. I'm kind of scared of that bet now. Uh, even though the market's moved off of three, it's two and a half. I, I mean, everything coming out of New England is negative. And uh, obviously it showed, to, it showed not only – I actually follow more of the scrimmages mm-hmm. than actual games – and it wasn't a very positive week at all for for New England. I know that makes you happy being a Raider guy.
1: Well, you know, I'm just uh I'm happy that they're, you know, getting that continuity. The crazy thing is when you look at the team get down from 90 to 85 to 80 and then they have to make that drastic cut to get down to 53, you kind of look and you're like, "My god, 27 of these guys are not going to be here yeah. from the roster." You know, and they know probably about 98% of them. That are going to be on there, but there's always one or two surprises. So guys will continue to play out the string, and I would think that a lot of the guys that maybe played tonight probably knew that the writing's on the wall that they're probably not going to be part of that 53 man roster.
2: Yeah, but what they can do is put a you know a good showing to be picked up to stay on the, you know the, the taxi squad, or I mean maybe another team uh, in, in the league has got a hole at their position and find a new home. So I mean whenever you're putting whenever you're on that field. And whenever they got tape
1: on you, I I, I mean, I'm not, ta- I'm not loafing. I'm not taking plays off. There you go. Now, you remember a guy from college, pretty good player, Mac Hollins. He's been impressive. So you have Devontae Adams, you have Hunter Renfro, you have Darren Waller. So you think of those three receivers, but Mac Hollins has looked outstanding in practice.
2: He has. And I'm not sure what what his role is going to be, if any, on the Raiders, but he's another guy that might get picked up. And, and maybe not by a, a team – uh, you know, this week
1: or the I'll next say couple 90% weeks, percent but... he makes the team. Really, ninety percent he makes the team, and I'll say eighty percent he starts.
2: All right, I'm not betting you on what the Raiders stuff. You're following it more than me. You're at the practices, so so um, I, I figured to... that out. I mean, yeah. I've lost that I've t- <laughs> probably a little too late. I lost a few thousand dollars against you, KT.
1: Well, you know what. BP. A few more coming your way at the end of the year too. I just need Marcus Mariota to to be good. I think he played enough against the Jets. I don't think he'll. I think he'll start that opening game inside the division against New Orleans. So. I don't think he finishes the season as a starter though. But we'll see. All right. I know you like Des Ritter, man, but uh, not
2: really. But yeah. I
1: mean, he's been all right. Oh, you think Mariota may get hurt? Probably. Yeah. That's that's the that's yeah. the only worry. Yeah. He's he's had a. series of injuries throughout the years and uh, even last year on that first run that he got (laughs) i mean he gained like 27 yards but he uh he popped the quad so not good we'll see how things pan out uh let me get to the rich badge and finley toyota out of town scoreboard update uh nfl games everything is just about over dallas leads seattle 27 26 trailed that game early 10 nothing but have come back lead at 27 26 Total was 38. They're at 53 right now with a minute 48 to go. Panthers shut out the Bills. Buffalo not putting a lot of effort into that game. Uh, Panthers went up to a four and a half point favorite. Total was 40 and a half. How about a 21 nothing whitewash there for Carolina at home? Saints and the Chargers. Saints got up early, 14 nothing. Chargers tried to make a little run there. Game ended up 27 to 10. The total was 37. It did go to 37-and-a-half at Circa. It's the only place in Vegas, 37-and-a-half, and and it finishes on 37. So a push for just about everybody depends which way you went at the Circa. 27-10, the final Saints win at home over the Chargers, and we told you Raiders 23-6 over the Patriots. That total was 36-and-a-half, up to 37 a couple places. Uh, and the Raiders were one-and-a-half, two-point favorites. Opening at three, went down to one and then came back up. One-and-a-half at the Westgate was the low around town, minus two pretty much everywhere else, but the Raiders cover all numbers and uh, take care of business. Meanwhile, Major League Baseball, Dodgers, extra innings, they get past Miami, 10-6 to 6 the final there. Marlins continue to spin downward. Cincinnati wins at Washington seven to three. Another game getting up and over the total. Philly jumped on Pittsburgh early. They cruise at home seven to four. Bryce Harper, I believe, back in the lineup. I didn't check the uh, box score, but he was supposed to be back in that lineup tonight. Uh, Falter on the hill there for Philly was a minus two sixty. Mets with Bassett went off a minus three thirty against the Rockies. Game was six to six in the ninth, but the Mets got a walk off from Pete Alonso. Not a home run, but a single, and they win at seven to six. Cubbies. Have have now put up a two spot in the top of the 10th after Milwaukee tied things up. Cubs had only two two runs on one hit. Freddie Peralta left that game with a no hitter after six innings, and uh, the Cubbies got a two-run homer in the seventh. They led it two to one. Milwaukee tied it at two, but now the Cubs lead it four to two. Milwaukee batting in the bottom of the 10th, and uh, the Brewers now have made it four to three, still batting. They need to Gain a game here if they can because St. Louis is getting throttled at home, bottom of the eighth, to 8-1 by Atlanta, who won't lose any ground to the New York Mets. Meanwhile, American League, how about the Angels, 12-0. They win at Toronto. That's a rarity in itself for the Angels to win a game, and let alone win 12-0. Nice effort tonight. Meanwhile, Boston comes back and beats Tampa Bay. Uh, trailed at 4-0, came back, took an 8-4 lead, then held on and won the game 9-8 against Tampa Bay. Texas 7-6, slips past Detroit and Arlington, and there's the big score. How about a goose egg for the Houston Astros? Best record in the American League. Kyle Bradish outstanding in Baltimore, 2-0, gets the win. We'll hear that magic music when we come back from our break here. Hour number one, Garrett Cole and the Yankees shutting out Oakland, bottom six, nothing over there on the left coast and Shane Bieber for Cleveland in control 1-0 they lead up in the great northwest in Seattle that is bottom 5 against Logan Gilbert the uh, interleague game San Diego cruising past Kansas City 11-5 that's top 8 7-2 Arizona wins in the south wins on the south side of Chicago White Sox are just a mess 7-2 Diamondbacks get it done and Minnesota Big-time shutout of San Francisco, 9-0. They pounded Alex Wood and the Giants. CFL, one final in Toronto, 37-20. They beat Hamilton. They were a one-point dog. Total was 48-and-a-half games. Sales over. Right now, 9.55 to go first half. British Columbia, the Lions up 6-0 on Saskatchewan. That total, 46-and-a-half. Got a ways to go uh, if you're going to get that over there. But that is a look at the Richard Badge Finley Toyota out-of-town scoreboard. Ken Thompson and Brad Powers and BP uh fcs clue me in because when we come back from our break we're going to get into the fbs games we've got seven of those tomorrow but fcs what are you looking at tomorrow are there some some good matchups on the opening day of uh, fcs football
2: uh i purely fcs versus fcs probably the best game is Stephen f austin against jacksonville state i mean there's some controversy rich rodriguez is the new head coach at jacksonville state uh, he has accused Stephen F Austin of spying on their practices. Wow. Uh, I like Stephen F. Austin in the game, although the market reacted accordingly. Stephen F. Austin opened like a one point dog in some spots. now they're laying six. so uh, I'm part of that money. I can tell you that. but uh, yeah, I I think that's a good matchup. Two teams that are top 25 caliber in the FCS. FBS versus FCS. Probably the biggest news today, in case you didn't see it, uh, Florida A&M. Yeah, 20 players. 20 players. So that line moved 10 points uh, today. And they're ineligible, right? They're just there. ineligible. They'll be out. I think seven of them are starters. They're down to seven offensive linemen is all Florida A&M is going to have. They're playing Miami? They're playing Florida, North
1: Carolina. North Carolina. Okay. Yep.
2: So that line was 32. Now it's 42. Oh, wow. It was tough getting down, but
1: I I made like four or five different bets. There I'll you put go. it that way. Got to gotta find places. Now. Brad Power Sports, you've been doing this for a long time. Uh-oh. And uh, if if people want to be able to get the action so that they can get the numbers or have an opportunity to get the numbers close to what you're getting, how do they get in touch with you? How do they get down?
2: Yeah, so uh, I have a VIP service. So I have my newsletter, which is if you're small-time better, that's what you get. I mean, Wednesday, I accumulate all my information to that point in the week, and it's widely available lines. It's my five uh, top college football picks, three top NFL picks, get sent each and every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern. If you're a bigger better, you want to get in front of line moves, you want what I got, you know, bet on Sunday, you want my FCS stuff on Saturday close to when I'm betting them, that's the VIP stuff. If you want more information, go to BradPowerSports.com.
1: BradPowerSports.com, and again, follow BP on Twitter, at BradPower7. Uh, FCS, it'll be a lot of fun on Fridays. Of course, Mark Oak, North Dakota Bison, that is his uh, alma mater, so he's happy. How about 24 out of 25 first-place votes? Who the other team? Who voted South the other team? South Dakota State got one vote. Oh, huh. Yeah. I mean, Mark didn't know I had a vote, did he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And yeah. he just gave me the one. Yeah. That's great. Beautiful. <laughs> uh, but that is, of course, the rival, the Jackrabbits. They are sitting at number three. And uh, number two is Montana, Bobby Houck. Yeah.
2: I, you know, I don't disagree with that. I'm, th- I'm thinking off the top of my head. North Dakota State's obviously one. South Dakota State's two in my power ranks. I think Montana is three. I know Missouri State, by
1: Petrino's way up there, too. Yeah, they're number eight right now. Montana State's number four. They got burned pretty good last year in the championship game against North Dakota State. Their quarterback got hurt in the game, but it wouldn't have made a difference. Villanova, Howie Long's alma mater at number five. Kennesaw State, six. Sac State at seven. You mentioned Missouri State. They're at number eight. Southern Illinois, number nine. Stephen F. Austin, who you like tomorrow, at number 10. Uh, East Tennessee State's at number 11, Eastern Washington 12, Chattanooga's 13, Incarnate Word 14, UT Martin 15, Southeastern Louisiana 16, Jackson State Walter Payton's alma mater. And of course, that's where uh, our good pal Neon Dion's at. Uh, Jackson State's number 17. Got to stop there. Your take on Mike Norvell, how much pressure is he under right now to win at Florida State with Deion Sanders having success as a head coach?
2: Oh, I mean, he's under a lot of pressure. I mean, Deion took the the top-rated recruit from Florida State. Travis Hunter, number one overall recruit, goes to an FCS school. Norville, they play tomorrow against Duquesne. Ah, the number, I don't see too much value at, you know, 42-43. Uh, they, they need they lost to Jacksonville State last year. Remember I mean, on the final play of the play, game? That was I think Florida State will be focused, but I'm not sure I want to lay that kind of number with LSU on deck.
1: Yeah, that was absolutely incredible. <laughs> At Florida Incredibly State, bad that
2: they didn't have anybody back there. Well, they had two help. guys
1: back, but they misplayed, yeah. Yeah. and the receiver cuts in. And I will say, it looked like one of the safeties was going to get a crack at the guy, but somebody had a back peel block that was just yep. phenomenal, and just took that guy out of, blew him up, took him out of the play. And uh, that would have went to a bowl
2: game if not for that play. Wow,
1: that'd have been big for him. All right, we'll see if FSU can get going. Do you expect them to leave the ACC? That's a good question.
2: Uh I mean if the yeah, I mean if they got an invite to an SEC, I think they're a better fit for the SEC. I think teams in the ACC that could leave for maybe the Big Ten would be like North Carolina, Virginia, the academic side. I think this will surprise many. I think Miami is a decent fit for the Big Ten for what the Big Ten is going out and reaching, big market teams. Miami's actually, you know, pretty good academic school. Uh yeah, I could uh, – hey, if Clemson and Florida State get the SEC
1: invite, KT, why wouldn't you leave the ACC? How big will the Big Ten get? Will they get to 20 so then it could be the Big Ten times two? I would
2: think that both would want to get to 20 because it makes sense. I mean, you play, like, you play your whole division, that nine games, I would say a nine-game conference schedule. I think if you really want to get creative, uh, you have – instead of a championship game, you have like a fourteen team playoff out of those conferences, and then you go to the playoff they're going to be hey with these kids now getting paid and all the big you know money as far as coming in from the TV deals you're going to see a lot more college football and you know what that means KT more bets to make so I'm happy
1: what about the teams on the outside looking in like maybe somebody that's a pretty solid program like a Boise State
2: maybe they can fit in with a, you know a revise whatever the Pac-12 is going to end up being because I'm, I don't think the Pac-12 is done yet as far as losing teams, whether it's Oregon, Stanford, or whatever. I would expect a, a couple of those teams
1: would probably jump ship to the Big Ten. Wow, it is, uh, it is. So Boise State, I know, it's, but it's tough it's, to watch. It really is just. Uh, I, I, I know, I get it about money, and, <laughs> and but it is. It's just hard to watch the dismantling of tradition.
2: As a fan, I couldn't be more upset. As a batter, I couldn't be more happy.
1: Okay. Oh, well, well put. All right, SportsX Radio rolling at you here. Uh, Again, Bill Riley joins us in about 40 minutes from now. Do not forget, if you fall in that demographic, 42 or 40 to to 72, 40 years old to 72, Preventative Diagnostic Center here in the Vegas Valley. And that means if you're coming in town from out of town, you don't have uh, an option to uh, get your health checked out to where you fall in that demographic. We're very fortunate because Dr. John Pierce has the only scanner of its kind in the region that gives you early detection before signs and symptoms of more than two dozen ailments like heart and lung disease, cancer. You can call the Preventative Diagnostic Center. You can schedule that free educational consultation. Let them know Ken Thompson SportsX Radio sent you. You got the 702 down, 534-7900-534-7900. Comfortable scan takes a few minutes. A few days later, you get a detailed report from a board-certified radiologist. It is uh, real important that you, you get down there and check things out. Be proactive. Uh, Christina and I, my wife, we just went and got our second scan, and uh, it was a two-year interval, and uh, she's a cancer survivor, and there's nothing better than getting that peace of mind uh, when you take charge of your health, because early detection truly is key. Heart CT scan, calcium score special, 125 for a $600 value. Your significant other absolutely free. So the two of you pay a total of 125 to get that heart CT scan and calcium score and find out whether or not you have any of the arteries clogging up. Guys, especially with that Widowmaker, you don't want to be blindsided and uh, – I can't afford to lose those listeners, so please, guys, take advantage of it. You fall in that demographic 40 to 72, please give a call, 534-7900. And don't forget, the Westgate Super Contest is back, and it's back better than ever. It's the ultimate pro football handicapping contest, and it's uh, back for the 35th year with more ways to win and over $1 million in guaranteed prizes. This year's Super Contest features 11 in-game contests 11 in-season contests i should say including two nine-week contests plus an overall champion that's 12 ways to win and 100 percent payback and backed by popular demand is the winner take all five thousand dollar entry super contest gold and the second half super contest reboot all comes also comes into play sign up now through september 10th only at the world famous westgate it is the super contest now in its 35th year and they also have a deal if you haven't uh, open an account there. You can bet 100 on your first one. You lose that, they're going to give you $100 back. So make sure you put that in there, the little promo, bet 100 get 100 at the Westgate Superbook. Go down there. You know my buddy, Art DeCesar, who joins me on Wednesday nights. He has been the last two Thursdays, but normally Wednesday nights, he said he'll help you, and everybody there really will uh, take care of you over there. Uh, Jay Cornergate, good friend. John Murray, love those guys, and uh, they do a great job, and it's a great place to watch games, especially Saturdays and Sundays. All right, there's the alarm going off, which means one thing. I've got to text Bill Riley to let him know that uh, he's coming up at 9, 10 p.m. live from Salt Lake City. Ken Thompson, Brad Powers, we're going to get into those seven FBS games. When we come back, we are live from Vegas, 101.5 on the FM side, 720 on the AM side. You're listening to a Friday football fiasco on SportsX Radio. Mark Hoke takes us to break. We'll be right back with some magic.
0: Something magic happens every time you go you make the magic happen The magic of Orioles baseball When the game is close And the yokes are hot There's a thundering roar from 34 To give it all they got And you never know Who's gonna hear the call Every game has a different start that's the magic of O-R-E-O Boreal baseball. Orioles magic, magic, feel it happen. Orioles magic, feel it
1: happen. O r i o l e s, magic, 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 magic. Something magic. All right, Brad Powers got to see the little action there from Mark Hope behind the glass. That is great stuff, and Mark pointing out. That the Orioles and Astros going at it. Two best records in the American League since May 18th. Wow, that is pretty impressive. And the Orioles forging their way, hopefully, to a wild card. I mean, Brad, that would be like a phenomenal story. We remember this team was at at least 10 games under 500, 14 and 24? Something like that. All right, well, we'll, uh, don't forget the Mark Hoke show, by the way. Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. And uh, Saturday night? No, not on Saturday night. Okay, so he was doing some Saturday nights, too, because there was an opening in the schedule. But uh, Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., number one rated show in the Vegas Valley. You like professional wrestling? Trust me, you'll love the Mark Hoke Show. Brad Powers, you, you're up early on Sunday mornings, and you've been on the Mark Hoke Show. I mean, this guy gets into it big time, and I know you love wrestling, not as much as college football, but it's right there.
2: Oh, I would say there's probably a time where I probably loved wrestling more. I mean, Attitude Era, late 90s. I didn't even watch Monday Night Football. I, just, I watched WCW
1: and uh, you know WWF. Incredible. If you could bet on I mean, now you can bet on it limits, but, I mean, if you could bet on it the way you could bet on college well, it'd football. Well, it would have been a
2: lot more interesting back then because you couldn't predict the storylines like you can now. So, I mean, it was relatively unpredictable back then, so it would have been much more enjoyable to, to bet.
1: All right, so we're going to get into the Utah Utes with Bill Riley at, uh, at about 10 after 9, uh, which will be ten ten his time, he gave me the thumbs up on the rebound with the reminder. So he'll be happy that I remembered just to uh, send him the reminder text. Uh, Nebraska-Northwestern, this game's going to be in Dublin. The only weather that I had seen earlier in the week that looked like it be, could be a little bit of a problem was the wind in Hawaii, 17-mile-an-hour uh, you know, wind gust they were predicting. And again, things change with wind. Was there anything on the Division One games, the seven games that came up that could be a problem? No, nope, that's it. Okay.
2: Last I checked. Now I always what do you what is, what is Brad Powers doing Saturday morning at four
1: a.m. I check weather and injuries. There you go. That's All it. Right. Got to stay on top of it. No doubt. We uh, gave we went over a bunch of injuries last week. Let's look at Nebraska Northwestern. That's the uh, opening game from. Dublin. This game will kick off at 9:30 a.m. Pacific time, which is great for us, so we get going early. Don't have that 9 a.m. game, but 9:30 we'll take it. Nebraska right now at the Westgate minus 11. Total of 52. There's some 51 and a halves out there, but mostly 52s here in Las Vegas. And uh, Scott Frost, needless to say, on the hot seat, and Pat Fitzgerald coming off a miserable year. With his Northwestern Wildcats. Casey Thompson, transferring quarterback from Texas, threw for over 2,100 yards, 24 touchdowns, nine interceptions. So we'd figure you have a season like that. I mean, that's not too bad. You should be able to battle for your job, but he ends up uh, transferring to Nebraska. Four starters back on the offensive line, could have been five. Uh, without Nwili getting suspended uh, for some drug deal. So Kevin, uh, and, and I don't want to say drug deal, I should say uh, drug violation. They, I, nobody specified. I have not seen what it was about. Uh, Kevin Williams, transferred from Northern Colorado, is going to fill in there on the offensive line there, along with the other four starters. Uh, Marcus Washington also transfers over from Texas. Pretty good wide receiver. Trey Palmer transferring in from LSU. Isaiah Garcia Castaneda from New Mexico State was uh, one of their leading receivers last year. And Omar Manning was at Nebraska last year and uh, one of the few receivers that uh, stayed with the team. Linebacker-wise, they've got a couple good ones, led them in tackles. Both are back, Henrik and Reimer. 109 for Reimer, 99 tackles for Henrik. Garrett Nelson, five sacks. He is back as well at his linebacker position. Eric Chinander, C H I N A N that is the uh, defensive coordinator there for Nebraska. And a pretty good cornerback in Quentin Newsome coming back. Talk to me about Nebraska and uh, Northwestern. Of course, Pat Fitzgerald, Ryan Holinsky going to give it a go again. They're going to rely on Evan Hull, who went over 1,000 yards last year with seven touchdowns. They've got Malik Washington pretty good, but they didn't grab any transfers for the offense. Uh, they've got uh, Bryce Kurtz, pretty good receiver, but he missed seven games last year. We'll see if he gets more action. And the defense only had 19 sacks. They gave up 30. They do bring back... Bryce Gallagher, pretty solid tackler, had 89 of them last year. And cornerbacks uh, Cameron Mitchell and A.J. uh, Hampton are back as well. Uh, But really, this defense has to get some pressure on the opposing quarterbacks. Had a lot of trouble doing that. Nebraska Northwestern, Brad Powers. So yeah, starting off with Nebraska,
2: uh, I mean, offensively, I expect them to throw the football actually a lot more. Mark Whipple's their new offensive coordinator, if that name sounds familiar, he's been all over, but most recently, last year, he was the offensive coordinator at Pitt, and, you know, helping Kenny Pickett, so I actually think Casey Thompson will give them a better look at quarterback than what they've gotten the last couple of years uh, with Martinez. Defense will be fine. Uh with Nebraska, the biggest question mark is the head coach, Scott Frost, because year after year, this team doesn't do little things right, whether it's penalties, special teams. They finally have a special teams. Coach, they haven't had one until this year. Uh, turnovers and whatnot, so we'll see if they can clean all that up. I'm actually much more confident in the other 3-9 and nine team from last year, Northwestern, because if you look at Pat Fitzgerald's history, this, they kind of yo-yo, KT. They'll, they'll win three games one year, three or five games. They'll turn right around and, and go and, and win the West Division in the Big Ten the very next year. Not predicting that this year, but I do expect Northwestern to be much improved. I will make a comment as far as the transfer situation. It's tough to transfer into Northwestern, KT. I know. Uh, I mean, it's really tough to have the credit hours to get the, the, the not only the credit hours, but the actual classes approved from other universities, so... They're going to be behind the eight ball in this era of the transfer portal. It's not going to be good for the Stanfords, the Northwesterns, heck,
1: even the Notre Dame's of the world. Duke, Rice, yep. places like tough. that. You got to have. A pretty they good can get. IQ.
2: It's easier to get grad transfers at those places, but undergrad transfers. It's going to be really difficult for those programs. There you go.
1: All right. Uh, yeah. So pressure on those schools, but Pat Fitzgerald. We know he's a solid coach. He. Coaches, the way he played, with heart and soul, no question. We'll see if they can improve on a lackluster season. But Nebraska, as you talked about, Scott Frost under a lot of pressure there at his alma mater. And, uh, we didn't Fred, get to
2: the line. I, I, yes, I like Northwestern.
1: 11. You like Northwestern plus the 11? Lean
2: Northwestern plus 11. I hate to be a broken record. It's 13 and a half two days ago. I mean, that's what the old Powers Picks newsletter, 13 and a half. There you go. That's it did hit 14, a couple books for about 10 minutes. Willie Hill and Caesars, that was it taken away in 10 minutes, and then the money just flowed in on Northwestern. This
1: was yesterday. Okay, so great stuff, and that's the reason I tell you, Brad Power Sports, get with it. Uh, BP, for people, what do they just go right to the website and they can just contact you that way? Yep, go right to the
2: website. I mean, if you want to send me, you know, uh, you can, you know, fill out the contact form if you got a couple questions, send it, and it goes right to my email. So that or, you know, ask on Twitter, there I'll, you go. I'll
1: answer Great stuff, and he does. Brad Powers takes time. He's busy as heck, I will tell you that, and he's on top of, you know, as many different places as he can uh, get to or talk, you know, and and help out his people. I mean, that's the main thing. He really takes pride in helping his people get the best numbers and trying to help them to – You know, where they may get the best numbers if they're out of state. If they're not in Nevada, he tries to steer them that way as well. Brad's a a wealth of information. Charlotte, Florida Atlantic. This is a 4 o'clock Pacific time kickoff. Chris Reynolds, pretty good quarterback for Charlotte. The 49ers, uh, nearly 2,700 yards, 26 touchdowns last year. Three of five back on the offensive line for head coach Will Healy. Uh, Shadrick Bird, decent running back, uh, dual threat. Uh, good receiver, had a couple touchdowns there, three on the ground. couple couple wide receivers are back, uh, Tucker and DeBose. And these two guys, 113 receptions between them, 1,531 yards and eight touchdowns. Tucker had six of those uh, on the defensive side of the ball, three of four back on the defensive line, uh, including Holly and Wardlow. Uh, Trey Creamer is out, one of their seniors. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, but Marquise Watts, who had six sacks and 61 tackles, he is back to lead that defense for Charlotte. For Florida Atlantic and coach Willie Taggart, Nicozy Perry coming back. We remember him playing at Miami for a while. And uh, 2,762 yards, 20 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He rushed for four more TDs. The problem Florida Atlantic had really was protecting quarterbacks. They gave up 35 sacks, they only had 17 themselves. McMahon in the third, and Johnny Ford. Also, Marvin Scott transferring in from Nebraska. There are your running backs. Pretty good stable there. Lejante Webster and Laquan Burton, your two receivers. But it was Webster that did most of the damage with 65 receptions coming back. Uh, transfer from Florida State, Jaleel McCray, linebacker. So Willie Taggart going back to old stomping grounds to grab McCray to lead that defense. Joseph also comes in from uh, Tennessee, Morvin Joseph to help out uh, Jalen Joyner, defensive end, had four sacks. He is back, but they did lose four of their five top five tacklers. Safety Teja Young is back, and he was the leading tackler coming back with 59 tackles. Your take on this one, Charlotte at Florida Atlantic in Boca Raton. Right now, Florida Atlantic, FAU minus seven, total of 59.
2: Yeah, so a really good matchup. In fact, both Conference USA matchups uh, are good tom- tomorrow. Uh, I think both all four teams are capable of making a run at a bowl game. I lean towards the Charlotte side as far as this game goes. Now, I did say in that newsletter, at the time, take away those hooks, meaning plus 7.5 around a key number. So I'm not surprised that a lot of people in the market have done that here in the last 24 hours, lean at plus 7. And it's mainly a fate against Willie Taggart. There's no question they have brought in a ton of Power 5 transfers, but I guess I just trust Will Healy. Chris Reynolds is a little less high variance compared to Nikosi Perry. So, that's why it's just a lean on Charlotte for me. All right. Well, I will tell you this. When Brad
1: Powers leans, <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, there's yeah. there are times in different sports that Brad Powers will have the leans down. And you'll look, and he's like 13-3 and in and leans. And you're like, I mean, still an impressive record well, on your the Your buddy from the Toledo, the one year, just followed on my show
2: this Friday night, so like followed on my leans. It was like 55%. And I was leaning every, that was like every single every game, game yeah. on the
1: board. Toledo Tommy. Yeah, I got to get in touch with Toledo Tommy. All right, we've got time to uh, duck in maybe a couple more, and then we'll have the interview with Utah's voice, Bill Riley, and then we'll finish up the uh, Division I games. We'll also uh, go around college football, and I'll also get Brad's take maybe on a thing or two as far as uh, the NFL, including the AFC West. We talked about it last week, but now it's looking like, uh, for all intents and purposes, yeah, the uh, preseason is over. We've got a couple more days with preseason games, so we'll see how everything pans out, and then the teams get ready to go at it. Again, September 8th, that Thursday night, that'll be the Rams at home against Buffalo. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch Josh Allen and company. And then uh, and, and we will uh, mention uh, real quick that Ariza, the punter from San Diego State, who had the – they called him the punt god, had the 82-yard punt a couple weeks ago. They cut Matt Hawk who uh, was picked up by Indianapolis because Sanchez went out with an Achilles injury. And then it comes out that uh, Ariza may have been part of a three-man gang rape of a 17-year-old in the San Diego area. Again, as Brian Panish tells me, innocent till proven guilty, KT, things happen. Uh, Buffalo actually knew about potential allegations coming forward. Well, they, the allegations were there, but they knew about a potential lawsuit coming forward prior to them keeping Areza and cutting Hawks. So it's not like they got blindsided. They did not know about it when they drafted him, and uh, but they elected to keep him. So we'll see how things pan out there with uh, Matt Areza. Uh, Brad, any, any take on that? I don't know if
2: it's good. Uh, th- there was more speculation that, uh, you know, San Diego State players, because there's a couple other players... Right. Both guys don't move the needle. I mean, just one as guy's much as, still on the
1: roster; the other guy's not even on the yeah, roster.
2: The, I could tell you, even from my guys that were in the know, there was pure. It was all speculative. Nobody really knew who the players were. This has been out there as far as there's multiple players involved in something like this, but really nobody knew who it was, and it doesn't move the needle as far as the point spread. Wow, but right. I, I mean, Araiza being you know a possible starting punter. And being as good as he is, I mean, that's a little bit of a blow for the,
1: the Bills. Yeah, we'll wait and see how things pan out, but uh, it'll play out in the legal system. Uh, Nevada and New Mexico State. Ken Wilson taking over for Nevada with Jay Norvell staying inside the Mountain West but going to Colorado Springs to take over the Colorado State Rams program. That'll make uh, Jay Corey Fort Collins, I'm sorry. Yeah, what did I say? Colorado Springs, that's Air Force. I'm yeah. sorry about that. Boy, I'll get in trouble there. Uh, yeah, Jer- <laughs> Jerry kidding. Kill is the head coach there for New Mexico State. There uh, at Las Cruces, uh, Nate Cox, six foot nine quarterback. Don't know if he's suspended for that opener. But you were telling me Oklahoma State transfer Shane Illingworth. Uh, may get that job anyway. Last year, Illingworth throwing for three eighty five at Oki State, and in 2020 threw for five fifty four. He threw seven touchdowns in the two years, only two interceptions, seven touchdowns, two interceptions, but not a dual threat. He's a, a drop-back quarterback. Now they have Toa Tawa coming back, pretty solid dual threat running back, 732 and six touchdowns on the ground, another 296 via the airways and a touchdown. Devontae Lee is back as well, had five on the ground there for Nevada. So they've got some strength there as far as the running game uh, let me see. Senior right tackle, three-year starter Aaron Frost is still out, and that, that may hurt them a little bit there. But they lost a, a bunch of players. They, uh, they also have uh, Jawan Claiborne. He is out, had 61 tackles last year and in an interception. Uh, pretty good safety, so that, that hurts. Now, they do have B.J. Castile, who transferred in from Arizona. Pretty good wide receiver. Jamal Bell, Tyrese Mack, those are the guys making up the receiving core there for the Blue and uh, Silver there for Nevada's Wolfpack. Uh, They did lose some big-time receivers. They lost uh, Stovall and Horton, both those guys transferring to be with Jay Norvell at Colorado State, and then Lockhart went to San Jose State. So three of the receivers transferring away, staying inside the conference. But going elsewhere, Jerry Kill, Diego Pavia, last I saw was uh, battling Gavin Frakes as as far as the uh, quarterback position. And Pavia was leading that deal. Uh, Jamani Jones, star Thomas, Amani Watkins, who transfers in from TCU, look like uh, they're going to battle there for running back time. And then wide receivers, no relation to Brad, I don't think. Justice Powers had 11 receptions, 215, didn't get in the end zone last year. And uh, they have some pretty good linebackers, though, at New Mexico State. That's because the defense seems to be on the field 75% of games. Uh, Chris Ojo and uh, Trevor Borchardt, uh, both those guys coming back, had 72 and 71 tackles between them. And uh, could be another long year if you're a New Mexico State fan. But you know what? They're an independent now. They schedule who they can, and Nevada's going to be the opener. What about Nevada? Because I talked to a couple guys. Toa I got to talk to him. And uh, also – uh, one of their other players uh, at the Mountain West Media Day, and they like Ken Wilson.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's just some uncertainty with Ken Wilson. Never, I a mean, long time, uh, you know, assistant coach, familiar with the program, long time at Nevada. I just, I mean, the question marks with Nevada is more of the roster that he inherited because you mentioned it. Norvell took a ton of guys with him uh, to Colorado State. I mean, 45 different players are off the roster that were on it last year for Nevada. So, I mean. The, I guess the word that I want to say here, a couple words, you're late to the party if you want to bet this game. I mean, this line has moved more than a touchdown on both sides in total, so uh, I can't recommend. I think New Mexico State's the right side. I think the under's the right uh, side as far as the total. I just I can't recommend giving it out right now. I will say this. If you want to be bad, I think it's a high-variance game because there's so much unknown. So if you want to be bad, New Mexico State money line plus 250, I think is a good for a pizza bet.
1: Really? Okay, that'll make Mike Bortrell uh, my good buddy who's my rep here at Cadon for the last decade. Uh, his son played baseball at New Mexico State. so I'll tell you, I just visited there. I, I liked it. I liked the football stadium there. Yeah, he uh, his son really enjoyed it. And the baseball program's pretty good. They've really turned things around there. And the fan base, pretty good. I remember uh, back when I was at Long Beach State and New Mexico State, we played them. And st- and they they had good fan support, all sports. Good. There ain't much else.
2: I mean, I just drove through that area of the country. There ain't too much to do there, KT. Not a ton of
1: stuff to yeah. do. All right, so when we come back, we'll talk with Bill Riley. Uh, Utah football, some Pac-12 football. I haven't talked to him in a while, but he's outstanding, and uh, you can pick him up at nighttime sometimes. I know my buddy Larry Ragusa says he picks it up. It's uh, AM 700, and that's a big flame torch coming in from Salt Lake City, so you may be able to Grab that and listen to Bill Riley. He's on ESPN Radio there in Salt Lake City, but he does a great job covering Ute sports for the last a Ute. That's a U-T-E. That's right, the two Utes. <laughs> that's right. Got to get that in there from my cousin Vinny. Uh, but, yeah, it'll be fun to talk to Bill, and then we'll pick it up. We still have four more D1 games for tomorrow. UConn, Jim Moore Jr. will make his debut up in Logan, Utah against Utah State. And Blake Anderson, what a job he did last year with the Aggies. North Texas and UTEP, that's going to be a fun game. The Mean Green from Denton going on the road right now, one-point favorites against UTEP in El Paso, 54-and-a-half the total there. Wyoming, they lost a lot. They could be in some serious trouble. But I like Craig Ball the coach, the old North Dakota State coach. Uh, he lost a lot of players. Xavian uh, Valade transferring to Arizona State and Isaiah Nayer. Uh, excellent receiver, transferred to Texas, but he's already out for the year for Texas. So sometimes you make those moves, uh, they don't always pan out, and you you just wonder. Uh, but Wyoming will be at Illinois. Brett Bielema uh, looking to get the Illini off to a good start, and a lot of line movement on that game, and a lot of line movement on the finale, which will go at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. That is Vanderbilt out of the SEC, and Clark Lee's team going To Hawaii Now, the one thing I will tell you on this little tidbit is he brought his team to Hawaii a week early to get acclimated for this game. And uh, what do you think, Brad? Pretty good move there by Clark Lee? Yeah, I mean, from a time aspect, I mean, keep in mind, when the
2: second half starts rolling around, that's going to be past midnight for the body clock of these football players. We'll see. I mean, did they handle it like a business trip? Or, you know, was there a couple nights where they got distracted?
1: Well, maybe a couple nights that he felt that if we could get it out of the way, say, days three and four, you know, okay. go out, do a little luau thing or whatever. But, you know, Sound stay like focused. Vanderbilt plays in a bunch of bowl games. Right. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I think it's a more of
2: a positive than a negative.
1: I think if Vandy wins, I think they should be able to stay an extra day. Uh, maybe. I mean, you they know, only got I mean, Elon as long as on deck. With, so. As long as they're being chaperoned. Yeah, I'm not yeah, saying yeah. they only got Elon on, on deck. Town. So, yeah, why not? All right. That'll do it for hour number one. Ken Thompson, Brad Powers, keep it right here. Friday football fiascos. Going to be great this year. And with Brad Powers, nothing better than college football. Love the NFL as well, and he's done very well there. Hour number one in the book, SportsX Radio, 101.5 on the FM side, 720 on the AM side. Uh, Mark Hoke, of course, will take us out. We'll be back. Hour number two. Stick around. Bill Riley, voice of Utah, coming right back. You're listening to SportsX Radio.
0: For peace of mind, visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702-335-5744. 702-335-5744. Leverers Union 872, the builders of Allegiant Stadium and the Las Vegas Ballpark, home of the aviators. Promodirect.com. Use K-10 for a 10% discount on your promotion items order. Promodirect.com and by William Hill Racing Sportsbook. America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit WilliamHill.us So get ready because SportsX Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. Now.
1: All right, KT Live, PSBR Los Studios in Las Vegas, hour number two, Friday football fiasco. Raiders with a win tonight, go 4-0 on the preseason. Remember, they'll open up on the road at SoFi against the L.A. Chargers. Looking forward to that game. KT will make the trek out to the City of Angels. And uh, then the home opener on my birthday, September the 18th, Arizona Cardinals come in for the home opener, and I'll get to all those Raider games. UNLV opens tomorrow right there at Allegiant Stadium. 12.30 p.m. kickoff, and there are other home games against North Texas, New Mexico, Air Force, Fresno State, and Nevada. The Wolfpack come in here on the 26th of November. So uh, we'll get to all those games scheduling-wise. SportsX Radio coming at you Monday through Friday, 8 to 10, right here, Pacific Time. And uh, do not forget that uh, archives are up now on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify which is great, so you'll be able to hear the Friday football fiasco still on SoundCloud as well. Uh, Ducking that last score, it is a final. Dallas did hold on and beat Seattle 27-26. Uh, moving on down, Major League Baseball Atlanta finished off St. Louis 11-4 the final there. Cubbies did hold on in extra innings and beat Milwaukee so again the Brewers fail to capitalize on one of those rare nights that the Cardinals lose. They have not lost many over the last month and a half. Meanwhile, American League Yankees lead bottom eight at Oakland 3-1. to That's now gone to the top of the ninth in Cleveland with Shane Bieber and Logan Gilbert for Seattle in a good pitching matchup. It is now 2-1 to Cleveland leads it in the bottom half of the seventh and that one CFL games still going. Saskatchewan's come back now from 6 nothing down. They lead 13-9, third quarter underway. Rough Riders up by four, two-and-a-half-point dogs on the road, total 46 and Without further ado, Ken Thompson, Brad Powers, we welcome in the voice of the Utah Utes, ESPN 700 there, Salt Lake City. One of the best in the business. I haven't talked to you for a while, Bill Riley, but it's great to have you, and I expect nothing but good things from that Utes program uh, this year in football. But first off, how is Bill Riley doing? I'm doing good, Cam. How are you? Ah, you know what? Doing great, and uh, always. I, I actually had a buddy last night. I told him. I said, I said, yeah, Bill Riley, the voice of Utah, I'll be on. T-. He goes, I listen to that guy. We we get that station. It comes in here sometimes, and I'm able to pick it up. Bill Riley Sports, and so, uh, you know, I, I know you've been doing it for a long time there. Uh, where are you from initially? Are you are you a, a Utah guy, Bill, or, or or did you transition there from somewhere else?
3: I've lived here 21 years now, so I'm a Utah guy. I grew up in the Midwest in Kansas City, but I've been in Salt Lake City for 21 years, and I've been the voice of the Utes now for 14. So I'm a Utah guy through and through.
1: There you go. And you've been there, Kyle. Whittingham's been there a while as well, and this program looks to be top-notch again what about last year with the Charlie Brewer situation never got a handle on that exactly what happened I know he took his ball and went home and you know I basically you know got relegated maybe in a game and next thing you know you're a transfer from Baylor thinking like what's happening here how's coach Witt doing that to me and then uh, never heard anything from Charlie Brewer who now has emerged as the starting quarterback at Liberty but what happened in that situation Bill
3: Oh, he, he wasn't a good fit for the offense. He was a spread offense guy. Um, he, you know, wasn't all Charlie's fault. Charlie's a good quarterback, but you know, he was he was kind of a square peg in a round hole. Plus, there were some offensive line issues that he was dealing with early in the season too. But but ultimately, Cam Rising was the better fit for this offense, and you saw what happened when he when he finally got in.
1: Cam Rising doing a nice job, and you got a couple of solid running backs, Tavion Thomas, Micah Bernard, outstanding, and two of the better tight ends, and Kincaid and Keithy. Uh, offensive line always solid. Seems like in between the tra- in the trenches, Utah's always got good guys in the trenches, both sides. Uh, linebacking wise, going to be tough to uh, replace Lloyd, one of the best in the business over the last several years there in Utah. What about what's coming in and what went out?
3: Well, I mean, at linebacker, yeah, you're right. Devin Lloyd was one of the best players Utah's ever had on the defensive side of the football. Kyle Whittingham called him the best defender he's ever coached, and that's, that's saying something. But they, they brought in a kid that was the leading tackler last year at the University of Florida, Amu Diabate, uh, one of the best transfers that was on the market this past year. So uh, he, he was probably the best defender in fall camp for Utah this year. He'll be outstanding. And you've got a five-star kid in Lander Barton that's uh, part of the Barton family that's kind of Utah Athletics loyalty. Both of his brothers, older brothers, played at Utah. His parents did too, his sister as well. So, Lander's there. Karenny Reed, who played a bunch last year, is there as well. So, um, they don't have Devin Lloyd, and that's true, but they, they won't lack for playmakers at the linebacker spot for sure.
1: All right, Ken Thompson with Brad Powers. Brad, one of the sharpest minds in college football. Brad, some questions for Bill Riley. So before we talk, I mean, obviously
2: expectations sky high for this Utah team, you know, defending Pac-12 chance full season. I kind of want to get to the elephant in the room. What's the feeling been like now that we're only, you know, eight days away from that big trip to to Gainesville, uh, Florida there, not only the excitement around Salt Lake City, but what's been the the vibe leaving uh, up to this as far as fall camp for the Utes?
3: Well, it's, it's been a good fall camp because nobody got hurt or nobody got seriously hurt. That's the best news you can ever get out of fall camp. There weren't a lot of position battles, Brad. There weren't. I mean, you bring back 17 starters, you don't have a lot of position battles. There's there's some depth chart jockeying a little bit, but this team's ready to go. Um, You know, they were Pac-12. They've they've appeared in three of the last four Pac-12 championship games. They won the Pac-12 championship game last year in your backyard definitively over Oregon, beating Oregon for a second time. 17 starters back they were a whisker away from winning the rose bowl game against ohio state this is a really good football team really good and i don't know that they're in the top three with ohio state georgia and alabama but they're certainly in that next tier and they're excited they're ready to take the next step most of these guys said last year was unfinished business because they felt like they as well as they played they still lost that rose bowl game so They've not shied away from talking about defending the Pac-12 championship, and they've not shied away from talking about wanting to reach the playoff. And I think that's realistic. It's not probable because you've got to – it's not run the table. You've got to be a one-loss conference champion. But they can do it this year. They're on that short list of teams that can do it. So there's a lot of excitement. And I don't know in, in my time here that there's ever been more preseason excitement around Utah football. It's the first time they've ever been ranked in the top ten of the preseason polls. So – um, there's a buzz here for sure, and I think it's, it's it's a buzz with good reason.
2: I hate to be negative, but I mean I agree with everything you just said. I probably have more exposure on Utah than any team in the country as far as win total, Pac-12 championship, you know, to make the playoff, the game against Florida. I am what Ken uh, winks and laughs at me when I say this. I'm involved on Utah, and I'm very pro Utah. I have not heard anything negative. From, from pretty much anybody about Utah, is, is there really anything, you know, that, that may, might, you know, leave some for uh, concern heading into the season?
3: No, I mean, there's there's some – I mean, every team's got questions. They weren't very good on special teams last year. That, in fact, the special teams cost them two games. It, it, you can make a case special teams might have cost them the Rose Bowl when the punter dropped the punt on the 10-yard line. Yep. They had kicks returned last year. Their, their punt team and their kick coverage teams weren't very good. And it honestly cost them definitively two games. So they've got to get you know they've got some questions to answer this year. They feel like they've shored those things up, but we'll see. They had the best returner in school history for the last what seems like decade with Thritt tubby. Covey. They've got to figure out who's going to catch punts and return kicks. So there's some questions there as well. But and then then you've got a question. You know you've got an all conference quarterback in Cam Rising. Who's his backup? Whoever it is is not going to have any real game experience. Bryson Barnes got into the Rose Bowl through the touchdown, but he's thrown two career passes. And Quinton Jackson, is battling for the backup spots, never thrown a career pass. So they've, they've gotten it. If something happens to Cam Rising, there's, there's an issue there. But as you said, there's not much negative to say about this team. They're in good shape heading into the season.
1: Yeah, and they mix it up well offensively, and that's what's good about Whittingham. Uh, he keeps you off balance. I've been to uh, several USC-Utah games over the last few years and uh, always enjoy. But this year at Rice-Eccles, especially with USC and UCLA writing on the wall that they're departing the Pac-12, I would think that's going to be one of the hottest tickets, especially if uh, Utah's sitting at 6-0 and where they could easily be sitting going into that game because Rice-Eccles is one of those places when you're an opposing team especially with a new coach coming in and then the animosity towards USC uh, coming off the game at UCLA the week. uh, It's actually, yeah, the week prior on the 8th of October, they'll play UCLA. But I mean, I'm looking forward to that game. And I would just say that's one ticket. I would think game day would have to be there. If both these teams live up to their billing and are battling there, I, I think that would be the ticket. That would be the game that I would pick on the 15th of October to be at Utah at home against USC.
3: Yeah, it's going to be a hot ticket. There's a good chance, as you said, too, Ken. They, they could both be 6-0 and at the time. Um, USC's early schedule, good, not great. Um, Utah's maybe a little more daunting with the trip to Florida, San Diego State, UCLA at the Rose Bowl the week before. But I, I've kind of done the same thing you've done. I've looked at the schedule. There's not a lot of other marquee matchups that weekend in college football if you have a 6 and 0 USC, a 6 and 0 Utah, maybe it could be a top 10 matchup. There's a good chance game day could be here. I think the atmosphere could be very similar to what we had for that Oregon regular season game last year. Nighttime game, place was rocking. You know, Oregon kind of stepped into a buzzsaw that night and to be very fair, Lincoln Riley's never been to Rice-Eccles Stadium, half that roster because they turned it over. It's never been to Rice-Eccles Stadium either since they closed in that south end zone added a couple of you know more seats it's louder than it's ever been it could be a great atmosphere that night
1: There you go. And one more, uh, Oregon State, they were able to get you last year. I think, you know, Jonathan Smith doing a great job at his alma mater. That is one that you get back home on October the 1st. And I know Coach Witt doesn't forget when he loses to an opposing team. The next year, he's ready. I don't want to say revenge, that it's going to be any different than he would prepare. But he just doesn't forget things like that. And that was a wild game in Corvallis last year. And I would expect the Utes will be ready to take care of business on October uh, 1st against the Beavs.
3: Yeah, again, going back to what I said before, that was another game that special teams cost them. They had a punt block returned for a touchdown by Luke Musgrave in that game. That was a shootout game back and forth. Utah's defense wasn't real good against the run that day. They were better as the year went along, but their their run, they had a big lead. They were up 21 at one point in that game, 14-2, but they let off a little bit. They still scored 38 in the loss, but it, it wasn't enough because special teams and run defense let them down. But you're right. It'll be a it'll be a little bit different game at Rice Eccles. Oregon State's good now. Jonathan Smith's done a nice job up there, but I I think at Rice Eccles this year could be a little bit different.
2: You know, getting back to the the opener, has Utah done anything specifically to prepare not only for crowd noise but specifically heat and humidity of the South? Since it's a very unique trip for Utah, have they done anything in in fall camp to prep for that?
3: Yeah, they've, they've used the indoor practice facility and basically made it a sauna. I mean, they, they've gone in there, they've cranked the heat up to about 90 degrees inside, plus, the, you know, it's 100 degrees outside, and they've watered the turf down to create about 80% humidity inside. So, and they always do a lot of crowd noise and things like that in fall camp when they go inside. They've played and blared the music loud and high, but about two or three days a week, they've gone in and, and used that indoor practice facility and basically turned it into a sauna. Now, the good news is, it's a night game. They're not playing the game at yep. 2 or 3 in the afternoon in Gainesville. It's a 7 o'clock kickoff. It will be humid, but the sun won't be up. It'll be about 88 degrees outside during the day, probably about 85 around kickoff. Um, you know, you, you, can't, you can simulate it a little bit, but you can't do it completely. Utah plays so many guys, especially along the line of scrimmage. They roll a lot of guys in and out. I, I think, you know, it's the first game. I think both teams will deal with a little bit of cramping. Um, but I, I don't think at the end of the day, humidity will be what wins the game one way or another. I think if Utah plays a clean game, and they can, they're probably 10 to 14 points better than Florida is. If they turn it over, that's always a great equalizer. Then you've got a game. I just, I think Florida's overall depth isn't as good as Utah's. And if Utah can get out, get a little bit of a lead, and, and play a clean game, they should probably win that game next week.
2: I totally agree with that assessment. Uh, you know, big picture, Utah's program. Was I reading the tea leaves wrong? What was Kyle Whittingham? Maybe you know the thought process, thinking about possible retirement at the end of last season, or was I reading that situation all wrong? And and if he wasn't thinking of it, you know, what what's the you know the thought process? You know, how many more years does he have? Five, ten years, or you know, if they get over that hump, maybe you know maybe make a Rose Bowl or a college football playoff and maybe win a game like that. Uh, is there, you know, maybe finally that thought process of finished business there? Because I feel like they've been punching up, you know, let's finally make the Pac-12 title game. Okay, let's finally win the Pac-12 championship. Let's make the Rose Bowl for the first time. Now, if they finally to win one of those games, is that a time and a situation with everything that's gone around with the program, uh, the, the tragedies and whatnot? Is Whittingham long-term or, or is this... More, and maybe you see a couple of years and maybe he's done.
3: Well, I think he's playing it by ear. You remember they, they had a player murdered in season and a player that lost yeah. his life before the season. So there were two deaths of very key and important players on the team that they dealt with. It was the hardest year, Kyle Whitting. I mean, imagine losing two players that are dearly loved and key players to your team, you know, that you're expecting to play, especially one in season. That was Aaron Lowe. So it was a tough season to begin with because you had Ty Jordan's death in the offseason. They deal with that, they get into the season, they lose two of their first three games. Then as they, they they try and figure it out, get to two and two, they have a player murdered the night after they the, the night of the of the Washington State win. Luckily they had the bye week. He pulled it together, but that, that season took a toll on a lot of them. But he got re-energized as the season went along. He was enjoying it. He was loving it. He's got this team and this program rolling three of the last four Pac-12 championship games. Um, But I I couldn't tell you if he's going to coach five years, three years, two years. I think he's at a point now where he likes where things are, but he's told me repeatedly, guys, for years, and he said it on the air with me as well. He's not a lifer. He's not going to stick around and coach till he's 75 or 80 years old. He's got other interests. He's got grandkids. He loves to ski. Loves to golf. He loves to travel, but he also loves coaching football. And he's in a good spot right now. So, and he signed an extension last year that will take him through 27. And he's one of the highest paid coaches in college football. And he's, you know, this is his program. So, I I would tell you, I, I would be surprised if he retires in a year, but you never know. You know, you go out on top, you get to the college football playoff, maybe it's a mic drop moment. But I I really do think that he and his family are just kind of taking it year by year and seeing how it goes. But I can tell you, he's revitalized, re-energized, and having a good time with the program right now.
1: No question. And the Utes continue to play good football. That was one heck of a Rose Bowl last year. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I was pulling for Utah to to win, even though the old man, my old man was an Ohio State fan back in the the day when he was still alive. But uh, I I was always – you know, pulling for Utah. Look, I've been an SC fan for a long time, Bill, way before I made it out to the West Coast. Growing up in Jersey, I was one of the only uh, USC fans there. I think I was the only one. I think uh, one other guy that I met out here in Vegas, he actually went to USC. It was from Jersey originally, but I was that guy. And so, you know, I, I'm out here. I've gone to several games. I remember walking out of the Coliseum a few years ago. I was with my daughter, Kiara. And uh, Coach Witt and Utah, and you've called the game so you remember, uh, Utah's coming down the field the final minute, and they're just, they're gashing USC with the run, I mean, left and right, and they get in there, and I told everybody that was sitting around me, we're third row seats, and I said, you know the Utes, I know Coach Whittingham, he's going for two There's no way he's not going for two. And, of course, they go for two. Now, I expected them to run the ball just because they were torching USC. I mean, every game was minimum five yards. It was minimum. And they they threw to the corner of the end zone. They didn't get it. And I'm walking out of the Coliseum, and I was surprised. I was just, like, going – that is the luckiest USC win that I've been at in a long time because if you if Utah runs that ball the way they were pushing sc off the line of scrimmage I have no doubt that they get that two-point conversion running the ball I'm sure you may have been anticipating a run from the booth as well and so when I'm walking out I said something to this guy this guy had a Utah hat on and I said something and the guy next to him goes he goes he goes yeah he goes he goes it surprised me too because I said I it's got to just surprised me they didn't run he goes yeah it surprised me too too, and, and he's my brother. It was Coach Whittingham's brother walking out of the Coliseum. Yeah,
3: that was actually a play where the guy was open. Actually, Troy Williams didn't throw it. He tried. He, he rolled out. If, if he picks his head up, the receiver is open in the backcourt of the end zone. He didn't see it, and then he tried to run to the pylon and stop, got stopped about six inches short. So. Okay. but it was a pass play, not a run. It turned into a running play, but it was not designed to be a running play. But if he picks his head up, and in the second before he put his head down to run, hit a wide receiver open at the back of the end zone. Never saw him, tried to make it to the pylon, came up about six inches short. But, yeah, you're right. They were running the ball very well there. But there was never a doubt Kyle was going to go for two on that play.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I knew right there. I go, Coach Witt, he's all about business. They got the momentum. They're taking chunks down the field. Uh, they got USC on their heels. He's going for two. He's not going for this overtime stuff. Now, you mentioned Mahmoud Diabati, the uh, transfer from Florida. It is ironic. This guy comes in. He's got 89 tackles with the Gators last year and the opener back there in Gainesville. So, it is kind of nice to have that guy. Number one, how did Diabati pick Utah out of all places to, you know, not not to, uh, but it's just a transition. It's like one side of the spectrum to the other, going from Gainesville to Salt Lake City. And then, did he know that this game was the first one up on the schedule, Utah in games, though, to play Florida.
3: Well, I'm not sure he knew or that was part of his thought process, but he did pick Utah. He knew when they made the coaching change from Dan Mullen to the new coach, he wanted to go someplace, but he wanted to go someplace because he got a year left to play that was a great defensive fit for him and where they were going to win. And he watched Utah play in the Pac 12 championship game, and he watched Utah play in the Rose Bowl and he saw the style of defense that Morgan Scalley calls and plays and said that's what he wanted to play in. And so he recruited that was the plan was his number one choice and you know Utah knew they needed a, a replacement for Devin Lloyd and he's been a great fit. He's not the same player as Devin. He's probably quicker and faster than Lloyd is. Not quite as thick as Lloyd was. He goes about 6'3" and about 220 225. Devin was about 6'3" 6'4", about 235. But they're going to use the Abate in a lot of different ways. They're going to use him to rush the passer. They're going to, he's a guy that can play in space. He can drop in coverage. He, he's a three-down linebacker. And as I said, you know, he didn't play in the spring. He was coming off kind of clean-up shoulder surgery. But he got on the field this fall with his teammates, and, and most everybody would tell you he was the best player on the defensive side of the football in the fall, which is pretty remarkable having not played in the defense before. So. I would look for big things out of d this year for Utah.
1: And real quick, as far as him going against his old mates, I know it's a new coaching uh, regime over there with Billy Napier taking over, but still he's got to know the tendencies of Anthony Richardson, the quarterback, and some of the other players. So I would think that Coach Witt, they've got him under the lights right now, just drilling him for that information.
3: Well, they've been doing that all spring long. (laughs) So, yeah, you know, a lot of it is, a lot of it's scheme that he doesn't know because obviously Billy Napier is bringing in a new scheme for, uh, from uh, from Louisiana. But at the other end of the day, he knows the personnel on that side of the ball. So he's been a good resource for both the offense and the defense. He, he and Cam Rising have gotten together and met and talked quite a bit too about some of his former defensive teammates as well.
2: One last one for me. I, I, would, I, I don't think anyone would argue that uh, Utah has uh, arguably the, the best one-two punch at tight end in the entire country. I'm more, you know, skeptical of the wide receiver position. Has anybody, you know, popped in fall camp? Uh, You know, obviously lose a guy like Covey out of the slot that was there for, felt like a decade. But uh, has anyone really, uh, you know, stood out in fall camp at wide receiver?
3: Yeah, Devon Bailey. um, He was the guy that, Ken, you'll remember, caught the flea flicker touchdown at the end of the first half against SD last year. He's a former walk-on. He and Rising played together on the scout team in 2019. 6 foot 4, 210 pounds, was a 4440. He is a wide receiver one. And then keep an eye on Money Parks. Uh, a sophomore out of the Dallas area who had one catch last year but it was a touchdown as well against USC. He had a fantastic fall camp. Solomon Ennis is back and and you're going to see Brant Keithy the tight end playing a lot of wide receiver and slot this year too. Um Kincaid will be the primary the Vegas kid will be the primary tight end, but you're gonna see Keithy used in a lot of different ways by Andy Ludwig. So but Vele, he wears number seventeen, will be your wide receiver one, and they're expecting big things out of him this year.
1: Yeah, we're expecting big things from Utah football as well. And Bill Riley, you do an outstanding job calling the games. Uh, on the hardwood as well. And we'll always appreciate you taking time out for SportsX Radio. We know it's an hour time difference, but appreciate you taking time here on this Friday football fiasco to join myself and Brad Powers. Have a great call of that Florida game, that opener, and uh, have a great season. Look forward to getting you back on. If we can nail you some time that's uh, going to be convenient for you during the season, Bill. But thanks so much for joining us.
3: Hey, guys, thanks so much. Uh, have a great evening. I'll talk to you again real soon.
1: There you go. Great stuff from Bill Riley, the voice of the Utah Utes. And, and Brad, that's the great thing, you know, being in the play-by-play business that I was, you know, now I did the basketball for UC Riverside, then Long Beach State. But along the line, when I was going to sportscaster camps, I connected with a lot of play-by-play guys. And I just loved getting those guys You know, on shows because not only do they know their team, they know the entire conference inside out. So they're going to give you stuff that you may not even get yourself on a media day or reading up on. They've got tidbits because they've been, most of the guys, like he's there 14 years at Utah, but a lot of those guys have been there double digits, decades, you know, a a decade here or more uh, at most of the schools because once you get a job like that, you're going to hold on to it for the most part. And, uh, you know, you get some great information from those guys that know the teams throughout the years. And so it, it, it makes for good information.
2: Absolutely. And they really get a good solid breakdown on the teams. And what I found a lot of the play-by-play radio guys, they'll, they'll give it to you straight. And if there's a weakness or whatnot, they'll they'll tell you what it is. I got to tell you after that, feeling pretty uh, good about my Utah tickets. There you I go. got a lot of them, KT.
1: Okay, so now that line has moved big time. Utah's a favorite now in Gainesville. What's the line up to? Minus two? Uh two and a half. Does it get the three? Maybe. Uh I Is think your value st- at two
2: and a half, would Yeah, I'd li- still bet at two okay. and a half. I wouldn't bet it at three though. Would not bet it at three. Uh but two and a half, I'd still go Utah. I, I'll be honest with you after listening to that interview. Uh I, I would I may I might have him and hawed about two and a half uh before that interview. No, I'm not.
1: I'll lay two and a half. Okay. So that's out there for you folks. Uh, that are interested in a game one and that is on Saturday and how is that an early kickoff No nah, it's at night I oh, mean good that's good for Utah body clockwise it is good uh, at the same time as a Notre Dame
2: Ohio State game so make sure you have a couple TVs set up. Oh, you this know will, that'll be the more competitive game. Like, I've, I've said this. Like Everyone's, ooh, Oregon, uh, Georgia, and, and Notre Dame, Ohio State. I think they're going to be t- two non-competitive games. The games you want to watch are
1: Florida-Utah and LSU-Florida State on that Sunday night. All right, so I have some people that they couldn't believe that Notre Dame was getting 17 now, and they jumped on it. Your take, because you bet that minus 10.5 Ohio State, it's <laughs> up to 17. Is there still value? at 17 would you I mean if you had cuz people are going to want to play it it's a yeah. marquee primetime game they're going to want to play if you had to bet it now if you were just you know putting some pizza money on it would you lay the 17 would you take the 17
2: I'd bet the over over 58 and a half okay
1: 17 is about what I'd make it I mean
2: if you gave me 20 bucks and said you had to bet one side I'd still play the buck guys
1: There you go at the horse I mean shoot.
2: I just I I think Ohio State legitimately it's Ohio State and Alabama and, and just talk it out. Keep it simple. First-time head coach, first-time quarterback, and, and and a team that is – their strength, Ohio State, is your
1: weakness on the outside and the perimeter. Yeah, we'll get into some of those games uh, next Friday. Looking forward to that, including Oregon State, Boise State. I that's can't another wait great that. game. I, I just love it. I think that's – what a fun game at 7.30 at night Pacific time. I just love that, that you get a nice game that late. That's – one of the the best games of the weekend, and one of the one of the best reasons to be on the West Coast, right? I mean, seven thirty. Well, it depends Eastern, how your day is going. You know
2: how it is, KT. Yeah. I like guess. if you had a great day, <laughs> man, that, that you're you're feeling pretty good at that right, time of night. Right. If you didn't have a good day, you're probably less likely to to be enthusiastic about watching it.
1: Well, you always have the old bailout game with Western Kentucky and Hawaii at nine o'clock. I got, I'm already Saturday. involved Western I'm, Kentucky quite I'm a bit sure, on that I'm, one. I'm sure you are. They're minus thirteen now. Did you lay the 7 when it came out? Yeah, I did. All right.
2: 7 gave out 8.
1: All right, good stuff, Brad Powers. That's why you want to get right now, get on there, go to bradpowersports.com, contact him, and let him know that you want to make money, that you want to get these lines when they come out, and he'll get them to you. So, you know, there's 19 or 20 or whatever. How many states that have legal gambling? Maybe more. Uh, If if it's legal in your area and you've got an account and you can get down – you know, when those lines are out, you know, then you have no excuse. You can, instead of whining and saying, ah, well, Brad, you got this line. I can't get that line. It's only because you didn't look at it until the line had already moved. So if you have an account in your state, more than likely you can get down early. Right, Brad? Yeah, so,
2: I mean, obviously I have my own bets and I'm betting openers, but when it comes to me giving out picks, I – I wait till it's widely available. I mean, it's at your DraftKings. It's at a bunch of books. It's just not at Circa. So I do wait uh, until a lot of people can get down. I will say this, uh, and this is different than five, six years ago, you probably, when you get that text or email, you probably want to bet it within five minutes. If not, you're probably not going to get the number.
1: All right. There it is from Brad Powers. All right. Gives us time to uh, get, get back to the board for tomorrow's games, and we'll pick it up with, uh, let me make sure I've got the, the right game here, UConn and yep. Utah State. That's where we left off. Uh, Jim Mora Jr. Uh, comes in. He's got a quarterback, Taquan Roberson, that uh, transferred from Penn State. He's got a couple other ones, uh, Cal Millen from NAU, and then a freshman coming in in Zion Turner. But Roberson would be the starter, according to the depth charts I'm looking at. Uh Running back, Robert Burns, uh, the Miami transfer, Nathan Carter, is back. 4.6 yards of carry last year. A couple receivers are back, Marion is. Uh, eight touchdowns between them it doesn't sound like a lot but when you're talking UConn football trust me that is a lot uh, they have three defensive transfer starters as well uh, coming in from ODU Kentucky and Texas Tech and uh, Jackson Mitchell is back he was their leading tackler last year 120 tackles my goodness man that's a lot but again a UConn defense like New Mexico State. They're on the field a lot. So trust me there. Now they were minus 27 in the sack department. That's just brutal. Only had 13 sacks, gave up 40, minus eight in turnovers. See what Jim Moore Jr. can do in his uh, first year. We do know what Blake Anderson did in his first year up in Logan, Utah. Pretty impressive. Uh, speaking of Logan, you uh, he brought Logan Bonner up there uh, from Arkansas State with him. How about 3,628 yards, 36 touchdowns, just 12 interceptions? I mean, you'll take the 3-to-1 ratio there. Calvin Tyler Jr., nearly 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns on the ground. He is back as well. But they lost uh, three of their top receivers, including Devin Tompkins, 102 receptions, over 1,700 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Uh Brandon Bowling and Derek White, uh, Wright. Those guys also double digits in touchdown. So it's hard to lose uh receivers like that. Tafisi comes over from Washington, middle linebacker, looks to be number one there on that uh depth chart there. And Hunter Reynolds, 83 tackles from his cornerback. They called the rover there at Utah State. He is back as well, but they did lose four of their five top tacklers there at Utah State what a job Blake Anderson did last year what will we see from Jim Moore on UConn break this one down right now it is uh, Utah State they're laying a big number Brad Powers and it is uh, sitting right now at the Westgate at 26 and a half the Aggies favored over Connecticut uh, and the Huskies 59 and a half is the total so, we'll start on the Connecticut
2: side. I think they're going to be improved. Not saying much, considering this is a team that's only won four times in our last 41 games. And on top of that, the last nine years, how about this? Connecticut is the worst by far team in the country against the spread 33 and 63 against the spread. So, you're 63 and 33 if you just blindly faded. You got in every game against the spread. I'd take 30 games above 500 KT. You're making some money there. Uh, but with that being said, I like the Jim Mora Jr. higher. Because I like how he filled out his coaching staff. He hired the main head coach to be his offensive coordinator, so the guy's very familiar with the North. something Jim Moore Junior. is not necessarily. He kept the defensive coordinator, Lou Spanos, but Lou Spanos let took a leave of absence, right. not there. So that's a concern. So I was,
1: I, I, Do you I know what that was. Was that a medical thing?
2: You know, I, I didn't get, get into it. Uh, I just know that he's not there. That's a big deal. And in fact, it's such a big deal that I was. Thinking, if you'd asked me a couple weeks ago, Connecticut might have been my favorite play tomorrow uh, because of an uncertainty at defensive coordinator. And the guy was there. He was the interim coach for right. Connecticut last year. Uh, just the familiar, losing a guy that was so familiar with the program. I I only lean Connecticut now. And, and mainly, you. it's not, nothing really against Utah State other than the fact they got Bam on deck. I'm not sure how long they're going to play their starters. I'm not, you know, try, my guy's out there for four full quarters. Uh, so I'm going to lean Connecticut, but it's not one of my favorite plays like I, I thought it was going to be.
1: All right, so leaning Connecticut plus 26.5, that game at 1 o'clock Pacific time kick If you off. don't want to bet Connecticut because they're so terrible against the spread, I just lean under. All right, leaning under fifty nine and a half points there. North Texas UTEP, you said another conference USA game that would be very competitive. Line reflects that right now at the Westgate is as low as you see it here in Vegas with North Texas minus one up to one and a half at the Circa. Uh, Caesar's also reflecting a one there, but a lot of one and a halves around town with the Mean Green getting some money. They are in El Paso to play UTEP and Dana Demo Squad. Total is fifty four and a half pretty much consensus-wise around Vegas and a North Texas team with uh, a decent quarterback in uh, Austin-Awny, 1,992 yards, nine touchdowns, nine interceptions, rushed for three more over 300 yards rushing. Uh, Ragsdale, pretty good running back, is back. Uh, They have a couple other guys, Johnson and Adai, uh, those guys combining for 11 more touchdowns. So this team likes to run the ball and Attaway, the sophomore, uh, part of that backfield now as well. Roderick Burns and Damon Ward are your two wideouts, and it's Burns that really did the majority of the uh, work there for the mean green. On the defensive side of the ball, KD Davis, their leading tackler. He is back, 121 tackles from his middle linebacker position, five-and-a-half sacks. Larry Nixon the third outside linebacker, had 71 tackles. He is back as well. But they lost the twins that were 15-and-a-half sacks between them, Grayson and Gabriel Murphy that transferred to UCLA. They are going to be sophomores now. Grayson is actually listed – As a starter, and Gabriel, his backup there at UCLA for Chip Kelly. Uh, For UTEP, Gavin Hardison, he can wing that ball around. He's not the best as far as uh, getting outside the pocket. Threw for 18 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Trust me, that's good for UTEP football. I told Brad that I thought UTEP was going to be pretty good last year as far as win total-wise, and Brad got on it and uh, followed the team and made some money on the minors down the stretch. Now, Calvin Brownholtz, he's the uh, running quarterback. He rushed 35 times for three touchdowns, but he only threw the ball seven times. He's the backup quarterback from Northern California, and his dad, Scott Brownholtz, played for Georgia, was the center for the Georgia Bulldogs back when Terrell Davis was running that football. Now, Awot was the leading uh, rusher last year with 854 yards and six touchdowns, but he is listed second behind Deion Hankins. Hankins uh, had half the yardage, uh, same amount of touchdowns as Awot last year. We'll see. Maybe they uh, both get a good amount of action there for UTEP. Uh, They've got a couple receivers in uh, Smith and Flores, That are pretty good. And uh, let me see, a tight end. How about the tight end? Trent Thompson only had nine receptions last year, but four of them were for touchdowns. So you always like to see that. That lets me know they're going to look at that guy when they're in the red zone. Uh, Breon Hayward, uh, Tyrese Knight are both back, and both guys had over 100 tackles for the Miners last year. That is key. 108 for Hayward, 61 of those solo, 102 for Knight, 59 of those solo. A couple decent defensive ends, and Amawule and Taylor, they combined for 12 sacks between them. Uh, by the way, the Miners had 25 sacks last year and only gave up 19. That's a pretty significant improvement from what we've been seeing from minor football over the years. No question about it. I mean, you have very impressive line of scrimmage.
2: I am worried on the outside for them. They lose Jacob Cowling. He transferred to Arizona. Defensive backs are some concerns. Uh, but I do think this game comes down to line of scrimmage, and I'm going to say advantage UTEP. I mean, North Texas likes to run the football. I really like UTEP's defensive line. I, it might be the best in, in Conference USA. Another thing, hidden factor, I don't think anyone's going to handicap this, but this game's going to be a sellout. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and they don't conference get that for the USATs, Sun Bowl.
1: They don't get that for the Sun Bowl anymore.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're not talking a 20,000-seat stadium. Sun Bowl's 50,000. So. They're excited about UTEP football. Went to a bowl game for the first time in a long time last year. This is a legitimate team. It can maybe make a run. I I know UAB and UTSA are the, are the two favorites in Conference USA, but UTEP's right there. Winner's going to get a lot of positive momentum. I'm a little surprised at the North Texas money. I, I
1: bet UTEP, so, and I think UTEP wins the game. There so you plus go. one and a half. Well, I'm under gonna, two, under. Under as well. Under the uh, total of 54 and a half. Uh, pretty much consensus-wise, I'm looking across the board here in Las Vegas. But you can uh, you can get one and a half at Circa and uh, several other shops around town. Westgate right now, uh, you can only get a point. Same thing at Caesars. So, again, shop around. That half point comes into play every now and then. Oh, yeah. More Usually, times than we know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially around
2: key numbers, you're talking about one out of 20. And that's the difference between flipping coins, 50%, one out of 20. Instead of 50%, you're 55%. There you difference go. difference between being a
1: pro and a Joe, folks. There you go. Great stuff, Brad Powers. All right, that leaves us two games left at uh, Division One, And, of course, FCS action tomorrow as well. We're not going to overlook that. But Wyoming at Illinois, I feel bad for Craig Boll, lost a lot. Uh, Andrew Peasley, is a transfer quarterback coming over from Utah State. Now, I did hang out with a couple guys there on uh, Mountain West Media Day. Titus Swen, who takes over the backfield by himself, uh, was Azavian Validay transferring to Arizona State. Now, Swen had seven touchdowns, almost 800 yards himself, and actually had a higher per carry yardage average, uh, nearly six yards a carry. Uh, I talked to Swen, and I also talked to Easton Gibbs. Easton Gibbs, a linebacker, outstanding, had 90 tackles. He's back uh, along with nose tackle Cole Godbout, who had five sacks, uh, they did lose uh, Chad Muma. Chad Muma had 142 tackles, uh, so Gibbs had 90, but Muma had 142, and he's he was drafted in the NFL by Jacksonville. He is on the roster right now, sitting on uh, second string. He will make that team. Uh Trayton Welch, decent tight end there for. Uh, Wyoming, Joshua Cobb's going to have to be that guy that leads the receiving core because we talked about Nayer transferring to Texas. Unfortunately for his season, it is over. He's out. Now, meanwhile, Brett Bielema in Champaign has Garrett Schrader leading the, uh, well, no, he's got, I'm sorry, he's got Tommy DeVito uh, named the starter. So he's got uh, DeVito. DeVito left because Garrett Schrader at Syracuse took his job. And, you know, DeVito a few years ago, 2019, threw for over 2,300 yards, 19 touchdowns, five interceptions. So he thought that was going to be his job. Uh, 2020 with the COVID year, 593. Last year, limited action, threw for 345. Uh, you know, just, just tough. And the writing was on the wall with Garrett Trader, a dual threat, uh, taking over there. Ar- Arthur, Arthur, Arthur Sitkowski, the transfer from Rutgers is the backup to DeVito. Chase Brown, over 1,000 yards on the ground, five touchdowns. Uh, he and Josh McCray are both back to lead that backfield for Illinois, and then Williams in Washington, decent receivers. Williams got four touchdowns. Uh, Barker, decent tight end, transferring in from Michigan State. Uh, initially was going to go into the NFL draft, but then transferred in from Michigan. Uh, from or I'm sorry, he transferred to Michigan State. I guess Daniel Barker is that correct? I'm trying to see if uh, if I yeah, got that sounds correct. right. He sounds to He went to, yeah, right, he went to Michigan he, State. Right, initially he was going to. Uh, go into the uh, the draft, so d- forgive me there if I screwed that up, uh, just going off all these notes that I have. But Bonner is back as far as uh, linebacker had 80 tackles last year and strong safety Sidney Brown outstanding with 81 tackles. They were plus five turnover-wise, and they were also, the Illini, plus eight in the sack department. Only gave up 23 sacks, which is the lowest total probably in a long time for Illinois football, and they had 31 themselves. Illinois getting a lot of money. They're up to yeah. 14 big ones at the Westgate and pretty much everywhere here in Las Vegas. 43 is the total. Brad Powers from Champaign. What does Wyoming do to stay in this game?
2: Uh, well, I mean, I'm not running to the window to lay 14 with a total of 43. I can tell you that. I mean, I respect the money uh, on Illinois. I agree with the money. I just I can't get behind it now at that number. I will say this. Uh, I'm worried about Wyoming this year. I did bet under their season win total. A lot of guys transferred out of that program, both quarterbacks. They Could have played this year, transferred out. They had a couple of starting defensive linemen transfer out after spring. I don't like the overall vibe there. I think Craig Bull's done a good job, but reading the tea leaves there, I think Wyoming's probably a fade team this year. We've seen the market react to that. Illinois side, I like what I saw from Tommy DeVito in the spring. I think they'll be okay there. Um, you know, I, I, I like offensive linemen. I like Zy Chrysler, their left guard, 6'6, 360. Uh, He'll be a guy that I'll be paying attention to tomorrow. I I like that. Uh, So I think Illinois probably submits them in in the submission. But again, with a low total and some suppressed scoring, I'm not laying 14, KT. It's a pass.
1: There you go. Uh, You did lay it initially
2: when it came out at 9? I laid 10 when I started seeing the market run. It was just a couple days ago. This wasn't a move that, oh, Brad Powers bet in May. No, this happened just a couple days ago. Everyone bet in Illinois.
1: All right, so that leaves us one game. It'll be the late game, 7.30 o'clock. By the way, that kickoff in Champaign is 1 o'clock, so you've got two games going at one, Connecticut, Utah State, Wyoming, and Illinois. And then Vanderbilt and Hawaii round out the schedule. It'll be a 7.30 p.m. Pacific time kickoff. Vandy up to 9.5 at the Westgate and Circa in Caesars. Uh, 54 and Caesars. 54.5 is your total from Honolulu. And it's Timmy Chang's debut as head coach at his alma mater, uh, he's got some transfers coming in. Joey Yellen, who we remember at Arizona State, and Pitt. Uh, Common Cooper also uh, is their uh, transfer from Washington State. Uh, but Braden Shager uh, was the heir apparent last year. And uh, with uh, Chavin Cordero, he transfers to San Jose State. So Shager was the guy I saw first on the depth charts. I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll find out tomorrow. Or you probably know. Uh, Parson, decent running back, had eight touchdowns on the ground. Phillips, Bowens, and Pinocchio. Uh, they're coming back, but not a lot of experience there wide receiver-wise. Uh, let me see. On the defensive side of the ball, they lost Darius Muassao also transferring to UCLA. This kid had 109 tackles, so UCLA was uh, grabbing from some of these Mountain West teams. Yep. Uh, they do have some transfers coming in. Soli From Arkansas, Forrest from Oregon State, and Hausman from Arizona, three defensive players that transferred from Power 5 conferences. Your take on this one. Vanderbilt now in minus 9.5. Clark Lee's team that, again, got there a week early to get acclimated to Hawaii, 54.5 your total.
2: So best piece of advice I could give to anyone, uh, this is what we call the bailout game. I'm guessing that the public is going to be very inclined on betting the favorite, in this situation, especially where they're, they're, they're going to look up and see, you know, Vanderbilt was a two-and-a-half point favorite. Now they're nine-and-a-half. Somebody must know something. Let me lay nine-and-a-half with Vanderbilt. I'm here to tell you, gets to ten. Uh, I'm going to take back a little bit with Hawaii. And you're talking about a guy that's already got Vanderbilt at minus two-and-a-half in pocket. I think the lines has gotten away for, from, from people at this point. I'll say this. Look. I think it's you know it's not necessarily pro-Vanderbilt. It's anti-Hawaii money. I get it. They're one of the least experienced teams in the country. Timmy Chang has never even been a coordinator before, let alone a head coach. So I get all that. But what last year for Vanderbilt gives you confidence to lay more than a touchdown? Lost by 20 to an FCS team barely beat Connecticut a terrible bottom five FBS team lost to Colorado State or they beat Colorado State should have lost that game uh, they got badly out uh, statistic in that game it was Colorado State you know messing around at the goal line several times so uh, even against subpar competition a year ago Vanderbilt didn't doesn't give me great confidence to lay more than a touchdown here so I'm gonna wait and see if it gets to 10 and play a little bit of Hawaii
1: All right, got about five minutes to go again. If you missed it, the Raiders stay unblemished or finish the uh, preseason unblemished with a win 23-6 to right down the street at Allegiant Stadium tonight against the New England Patriots. Their opener on September the 11th in L.A. against the Chargers. And I'll be, of course, talking a lot of silver and black state uh, report. We'll be doing a lot of that over uh, the next several months. Every night we'll give you something on the Raiders and uh, keep you updated on the silver and black state. Meanwhile... FCS also starts tomorrow, and it's going to be big time. Idaho State is here to play UNLV. Uh, that line, boy, is uh, is gone down. Right? What was that? What was that line initially? It was up to twenty seven. Okay, so last I saw, it was twenty four and a half at places, and probably uh, going a little lower. But that game at Allegiant Stadium tomorrow—that's a twelve thirty p.m. kickoff there with UNLV uh, in action. Austin P in Western Kentucky also is a game that you were interested in. Yeah, I wanted to lay
2: 21 with Western Kentucky. That's about what it opened up at. It's now 27, which is pretty much what I power rated it at. If it's under 28? Nah. No, not even? Maybe a lean on the under because, I mean, that's a pretty high total. Now, both teams run a lot of tempo, but I don't expect either team to be, you know, running on full cylinders at this
1: point in the season. All right. You talked about North Carolina, that line going up to 42.5 against Florida A&M, who has 20 players ineligible for that game. Florida State minus 43 now against Duquesne. At home in Tallahassee. Boy, that's a lot of points to lay. Uh, did you lean touch? Duquesne? Did you lean Duquesne there with all those points? Okay, let me move on down, see what else we've got. Uh, you like the uh, Stephen F. Austin game. Where was that line? It's up to six, so lean at the current number. Okay, so, and and Stephen F.
2: Austin's playing? Jacksonville State. There you Rich go. Rodriguez, the game. new
1: head coach at Jacksonville State. Gamecocks, right after their win against Florida State in Tallahassee last year. My goodness. Uh, let me see. Do we have anything else tomorrow? Is that about it? Yeah, I mean, you got two lower level FCS games. Okay, and I'm probably I've probably missed them on the docket. And let me see if I can find them real quick. I don't. I may have missed them, Brad. But
2: yeah, so you, you got Moorhead State against Mercer. Mercer's laying twenty eight and a half. That's about what I made it. No play there. Howard at, against Alabama State a neutral site. Two and a half is the line. I bet Howard plus six earlier today, but obviously I'm going to bet it now
1: at two and a half. There you go. And they're the bison, not to be confused with the bison of North Dakota State. Mark Hoke has drilled that into me, man. i have been telling you, I will never forget that. I remember the first time I called him the bison. He's like, what? what are you doing? Well, what's going on here, Thompson? Don't you know your football? I'm like, oh, man, I'll never make that mistake again. He's in his glory, though, because his Orioles won tonight. Uh, real quick, go back to the Richard Badge and Finley Toyota out-of-town scoreboard and just update uh, any late games that are going. It looks like everything's pretty much over, except Cleveland and Seattle. The Mariners have tied that game and now are batting in the bottom of the ninth at home Tied two to two, Yankees did hold on and nip Oakland. If you laid the run and a half with Garrett Cole, you got burned because they only won by a score of three to two. Big score of the night in the American League. Baltimore. Kyle Bradish shuts out Houston in H town, two nothing, making Mark Hoke a happy camper and all those people that have the Oriole tickets to make the playoffs. My goodness, how about some that have the future as far as the Orioles to win the World Series? I tell you what, they ever win the World Series? There's going to be some sports books that uh, are going to be taking some loans from Brad Powers uh it's <laughs> yeah, i'm telling you those were phenomenal uh, massive numbers not as big as uh as our old uh team from the EPL Le- uh, Leeds City or whatever that a couple of years oh, ago. Leicester right? City. Leicester City. Unbelievable. Yeah, Leicester. That was unbelievable. Yeah. People are just uh, making thousands. Uh, 23 thousands, to 16. Millions. millions yeah, 5,000 to... to 1 was <laughs> that the that odds. That's crazy. Uh, Saskatchewan at British Columbia, 23 to 16. Saskatchewan leads at 555 to go in the fourth quarter. That total 46 and a 46.5 right now. You're at 39. And Saskatchewan, a two and a half point dog, leads it by seven. So that'll look at the Richard Badge and Finley Toyota out of town scoreboard. Brad, real quick, you got a show coming up early tomorrow morning on covers. How do people watch it?
2: Yeah, it's gonna be live on YouTube on the covers YouTube channel. It's gonna be a release show. Now tomorrow won't be the best day to tune in, but if you want to get a feel for it, I will at least give out one pick, if not two. If you wanna get in front of a line move. Watch it. Covers YouTube
1: channel. At Brad Power 7. Follow him there. At Ken Thompson 87. At SportsX Radio. And don't forget, the archive will be up in about 25 minutes. And you can uh, get that on Apple Apple Podcasts and also Spotify. Till Monday when Fish and Hoke take over. You know the rules. No drinking and driving. No texting and driving. Most of all, God bless her troops. God bless you. Live from Vegas SportsX Radio. 101.5 FM 720 AM KDWN. I'm Ken Thompson for Brad Powers, for Bill Riley, for Mark Hoke. God bless. Have a great weekend. Good night, everybody.